Recording in progress. Every day, I feel like it's about to end. About to end. About to end. I've been through this life, I'm trying to separate the really for real and pretend. Smallest niggas always look crazy. Every day, your mother lose a baby. Every day, a baby lose a mama. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another edition of This Is Recorded Podcast. This is a special one, man. We have a doctor. Yes, what the doctor ordered in the building today that's going to tell us a lot about a lot. Please introduce yourself with your socials, how you could be reached, and your name <clears throat> and everything, please. Uh, my name is Rashawn Hodge, Dr. Rashawn Hodge on Instagram, R-A-S-E-A-N-H-O-D-G-E dot M-D on Instagram. Uh, definitely turn on post notifications, story notifications. And get educated. I definitely can help you fill in the knowledge gaps about uh, cannabis as a medicine. Uh, is it for you? It might not be for you. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, definitely can uh, help you uh, find a route in the uh, business of cannabis. Uh, rather it be ancillary or non-ancillary, plant touching or non-plant touching. Um, so i educate you about hemp as well. So tune in. Okay. And okay. thanks for having me on the show, bro. I oh. really appreciate it. Oh, it's a blessing, man. It's an honor. So where were you uh, born or raised at? Oh, Jersey. Jersey. Born in New Jersey, town called Manalapin. Um, one of six kids. Uh, I got a twin brother, two older sisters, a little brother and a sister. Uh, my parents uh, came from, uh, they met at Tuskegee. They're from both from Alabama. And like most people, most blacks uh, from the South at that time, um, during integration, as soon as integration happened, they did their little civil, they fled the South, went to New York, and then went to Jersey and had me and my brother and the rest of us. That's amazing. I spent some time in Trenton, New Jersey. (laughs) Trenton, that's the the capital, man. I did did some time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Jersey's cool. Jersey was a great experience. Um, it made Atlanta so much more special to me because uh, Jersey was a huge melting pot. And where I was, I, it was uh, I was the minority, uh, you know, my uh, my family. So, you know, being one, being the only one <clears throat> from childhood to 18. And then when come to Atlanta, like a black city, go to Morehouse. It was just dope. Something needed necessary for me, you know, to get that black experience. Um, amazing now how is it being a twin what is the like because i see that you and your twin brother is very close and i gotta shout out my father-in-law phil stark captain q america that is he say it's the only frat and i see your brother is a part of the only frat is what i hear yeah he is he is he is a q but being a twin is amazing bro it's just your uh you know if you believe in soulmates you know he's my soulmate you know we shared the womb together uh a lot of a lot of who I am is because of him, you know? So uh, it's great being a twin. And, uh, you know, uh, that was, he's my hero. Wow. So it's good It's good to have that. <clears throat> and, you know, he's one of those, those dudes that, like, if you built a rope, rope swing, you know, we're we in, we in the, like, suburbs. You can build a rope swing or a ramp or whatever. He's the first guy. He was, like, the test dummy, right? <laughs> and he always would do it. Make it across the ravine, and you go after him. You gonna break a leg. You know what I'm talking about. He was like the Superman. So, growing up with that, it was just amazing. You know, um, uh, you know, he was very he's he's naturally intelligent. Uh, this crazy IQ. So, trying to keep up with him academically uh, helped me uh, become a physician. You know, college was a little bit easier because I was just trying to keep up with him. And not get my butt whipped, you know, because yeah. uh, 
unfortunately, as a twin, you get compared a lot. Yeah. So it was a gift and a curse, you know. The gift was this raw friendship. That's all he saw was me. Couldn't do no wrong. And then the curse was objectively, you know, if I was the smaller one, he was, you know, he got he won the races. He got the better grades. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that that was a challenge in itself. Yeah, and that, that is something, man. And shout out to all your brothers and sisters, your whole entire family. Seems yeah, like you got a thank great you. Family. Seemed like you got a great yeah. family, man. So the soundtrack oh. to your life, like what was, what was the music like in your household growing up? And what was like oh the, shoot the, the soundtrack? The man, sound, that's, that's crazy. My, that's my favorite uh, topic. Now. That's a dope question. The soundtrack to your life. What was the music growing up? And what was the first kind of music that you got into on your own? Uh, growing up when I was a kid, I definitely remember gospel. Remember Aretha Franklin, uh, the uh, record player, you know, Precious Lord, you know, boom. On Sundays, you know, her taking us to Sunday school. She gave us a great foundation uh, uh, with, with Christ, you know. So I love my mom for that. You know, she taught me about the Lord, man, God first. Um, then after that, you know, it was it was more like, you know, rap. You know, R&B, you know, Mary J, you know, stuff like that. Got to see her my uh, senior year in high school. Got to see Big my senior year in high school, you know. Yeah. Saw Big twice, you know. Um, Yeah, got to see Jay-Z when I was, like, just getting out of high school. This is when they were just beginning, you know. Uh, A lot of public enemy, you know, East Coast stuff, you know. Um, Smith & Wesson. Yeah. East Coast. Definitely. Yeah. yeah definitely. Soundboard Burrell still go dumb, you know? Yeah, yeah. Still go dumb, yeah. Yeah, so I was, that was born it. in Brooklyn, but my mom moved us to Virginia when I was like five and oh. all over. So, yeah, we, we got love. Oh, Brooklyn her. got the artists. Come on, man. Yeah, Nas, we love it. Come we, on. We love it. And Mary yeah. J. Blige is like, and Jodeci and stuff is the the ones. The ones for that. Yeah, that was, what, that was it, bro, the 80s. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Slow yeah. dancing, rayon shirts. Oh yeah, you come know on. You yeah, know, you know. So basement we, jams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, my mom and them, they know more definitely than me. But yeah, growing up, she used to play the Jodeci album Diary of a Mad Band every day. Oh man, you was growing up with some some real some good R and B man, classic, still yeah, classic, yeah, you know, yes. timeless music. Yes. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? We know what you are now and what you are evolving into. But growing up, my nephew always say, I wanted to be a firefighter or a donut when he was like five years old. So around that yeah, time, really, <laughs> what did you at want five, to be? Growing up, I wanted to play football, to be honest. All right. I wanted to be a football player, man. I wanted to, you know, go to the NFL, you know, um, I look, you know, Walter Payton. I was a running back. My twin and I were running back. So, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, we were doing that shit in the living room, bro, yeah. outside. So, um, um, sport, you know, football was something I, I thought I was going to be doing. But, you know, my mom and my, my dad's a teacher. You know, my mom was a, a healthcare officer. And she was like, nah, you know, she's like, nah, you got to think of something else besides football. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Um, I always loved science, bro. You know, my dad was kind of slick. You know, he, we got a few toys, but we also he also gave us like a microscope and stuff when we we're like eight, nine, ten. You know, the little chemicals and sulfur and stuff. So wow. I had this, uh, you know, and earth science toys, and so I, I I definitely dug science. And I was one of those kids when there was an accident, man. I was I would always be rubber, you know, rubber rubbernecking. Yeah, like slow down, let me see. And and then I'm like, well, what happens when somebody dies? And I remember telling my, you know, as a, as a as a as an older kid, and she's like, well, that's a coroner. I was like, well, I want to be a coroner. And my mom's like, man, they don't make no money. Yeah. Um, why don't you you should be a doctor or a lawyer? Yeah. And I chose to be a physician. You know, nice. Now, but that's what it is. But. What kind, Go ahead. Of, what kind of student were you growing up? Uh, some people, shit, that's crazy. Oh, uh, just like they won't be a great student, then they form into a good student as they get older. Or some people just had it their whole life. What kind of student were you growing up? That's a great story. You mind if I light up too? No, I enjoy. We're gonna educate the people today. Oh well, 
I told you, you know, I'm a twin. And then my eldest sister, she's a, she's the first physician in my family. God bless. So let me give you that background. And not just a physician, she's a surgeon. Ooh. You know, a black woman, surgeon, trauma surgery, burns, gunshot wound staffs. She runs she runs Grady. Let's put it like Blessings. that, right? Can we get her so, socials? Sorry to cut you off. Can, can we please yeah, she's get her J-Hodge information? MD on Insta. J-H-O-D-G-E-M-D. Okay. Um, so let me give you that background. So I have my older sister, and then I have my twin. This is the this is the answer your question kind of student. Yes. So after kindergarten, um, for some reason, no, first grade, no, after third grade, there's like that little test, right? And my twin, he bounces on me. That motherfucker, go ahead. He goes to a specially, he goes to an academically talented school, gifted school. And guess where my eldest sister went? She got, she went to third grade and then boom, she goes to this gifted school. Me, I'm at a regular school. So I was, uh, I started to like, damn, that's for smart people. So I really was like, I would, you know, I maybe I was above average to them because I just felt like they were smarter than me. I, 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 I didn't believe in myself because objectively they told me, hey, the smart one go to this school. You dig what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And, um, and that was celebrated, you know. Uh, in my family, second place wasn't really celebrated. They didn't do a good job celebrating second place. It was kind of like either be eating, win, you know, first was everything. Yes, sir. So here I am, born second, not going to the academically talented school, you know, not fit as physically as strong as him, and definitely not being celebrated. So I went dark, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I turned into a... Uh, it was, I rebelled because I wasn't being seen. Right. So I wasn't being seen. I wasn't being heard. And if I, and then most kids innately want to please parents, but I couldn't please them because I might've got a 94, but he got a 98. So it was like, how come you didn't get the 98? You know, like you gotta get your grades up. So it was like, psh. so I kind of, so um, I was a kid that was in reteaching math. I was a kid that got pulled out of uh, second and third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. They pulled me out for speech, embarrassing. Like, hey, come here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I had hooked I was on one of those kids. Up. Yeah, I had, to be, I had to be put behind because, you know, I moved from New York to Virginia. And it was like, this guy, he's moving around. He can't really read like everybody else. Maybe you want to hold him back. So, for people that don't know, Hooked on Phonics is like a program where it's like a big old box where you learn how to read and do all these different things. So I'm with you. I'm right with you on that one. So, yeah. So you want to talk about success and tasting success. I had to leave home to finally taste. You get a win. And once I started getting a win, oh, man. <laughs> success beget, begets more success. And started believing in myself. And I'm like, damn, why did I go so dark from teen? You know, I, I turned into an asshole, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I kind of isolated myself, you know? Wanted to move out when I was 13. I had all these plans, all that shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's how it was. And then I started, you know, when I went got into Morehouse, that's the first time my twin and I separated. Because he went to West Point. And I didn't get into West Point. And, um... But shit, the, you know, Morales was calling me and and boom, yeah. you know, he started to get my own identity and start believing in me. Yeah. And that's when I started taking the fuck off. Yeah. And let's talk about that, man. The HBCU experience. How amazing was it going to Morehouse, getting in? And what was that experience like for you to be around that beautiful blackness? Now, what was it like? Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> Inspiring, bro. <coughs> it was pure inspiration. Uh, <coughs> when you go from like, you know, just your family, like, you know, you're like 4% in a, in a classroom 
or in a school, you know, at an 800, you're like, and you know, you're just 4% blacks. So you're the only one in that class. And then in college prep, you really might be the only black person in that class. So you have the stress of, of uh, you know, having a good time, enjoying adolescence, but you also have the stress of representing the race. Yes. Like you couldn't do this. Yeah, I couldn't do that. You know, when you wanted to. Yeah. When you just wanted to be a regular kid, but you, they'd be like, hey, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> I told you to act like that, right? Yep. So um, Boys in the Hood came out, and I haven't heard of Morehouse. <clears throat> and at the, at the end of Boys in the Hood, he's going to Morehouse. He's going to Spelman. Boom, we see the movie, look up Morehouse, or go on the college tour. When I was 14, a little bus tour from Jersey. It was a Deep South HBCU tour. Hampton, we saw Howard Hampton, you know, boom, 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 and got to Atlanta. And we went to Morehouse, and I was sold, bro. Wow. Saw the city. Oh, bro, I, I have never seen that many of us, yeah. you know, the yeah. opposite of what the news said every day, the opposite of what the world tried to convince me, you know? Because when I went to Morehouse at 18, I had never saw 800 black men in one room with one goal, bro. You look to left and to the right, you see 18, you see 800 18-year-olds trying to get it. Yes. Yes. With the shits. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the next thought leaders and the next CEOs and next innovators, the next, and you just like, man, bro, you know? Yeah. So that was, that was it, man. And I, um, I, had to, I went to med school back in New Jersey, but when I I knew I was coming back to Atlanta to practice, right? Because again, I left the Mecca, you know. Yeah, I'm, I go I go to med school and back to being one of being the only one again. Yeah, yeah. And Atlanta is like I'm definitely gonna shoot something to do something. Atlanta, a love story because it's just like New York is New York. So you love where you're from, you love that stuff like that. But Atlanta is just it's like and then right now. To me, from traveling and going back to New York, L.A., different places, it's the only one that still has this blackness and didn't get completely taken over by gentrification yet. Nah, it's, bro, it's not like, yet. Yeah, it's Atlanta's the only place. Every time I go somewhere, even back to New York or something, it's like I got to get back home to feel comfortable. It's nothing like going up them escalator seeing all that blackness when you yeah we did that that escalator that, that Arthur Jackson, oh. that you're like oh oh it's nothing yeah. like seeing see killer mike and little john and different people on the screen and you're like oh man i'm home baby no, you got married no you know you just know yeah it's you it, just it, know you're home yeah and plus atlanta decriminalized too oh you know so man. it's nice Yes, yes. I think it's a $75 fine, the last I heard, if you get something. Yeah, 75 and 150 the yeah, second offense. Something is small, something is small. So being a doctor and going for it, how do you stay focused on that journey? You know, was it that taste of success you felt, or what was it that kept you going and focused that long? Uh, Well, it was the taste of success, and then I had this big chip on my shoulder. You know, because I was the the dumb one. I was the you know, you know. So I had this chip on my shoulder, and then I had someone I saw in my family that my blood, you know, like my sister that already did it, that got to med school, that achieved these dreams, and I just couldn't. How could I look at that in my face, you know, if I didn't do that? Right. And I see someone that did it. So, you know, uh, I'm from like you know, in medicine, there's not a lot of time to to to. to to keep you got to pay attention right so medicine is like you know med school is like hey man you know we're not going to do a lot of this bullshit because there's a lot of volume too much too much work mm. you know you got to learn the systems meds pharmacokinetics pharmacology you got to learn how to talk about death and dying so it's see it do it teach it now Maybe how I was raised, you know, with my dad. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go back and forth with him, yeah. and how he was from the south. See it, do it, teach it. Yeah, because I want. I don't want to be micromanaged. I was good at that, right. you know. 
I'm, I'm looking at motherfuckers. Hey, bro, you just saw it. Yeah. Why we gotta keep talking about it? You yeah. just saw it. Yeah. But in in med school and in residency, that's the only way. People ain't gonna go back and forth with you and play with you. And if, if your process, you gotta write it down 20 times, no one gives a fuck. Yep. Because they expect you to be able to do it. Right. And once we saw that you can sew, you should be able to teach it. Yep. So if you're one of those, and me, you know, coming from that trauma, and then two, I had the trauma of, Bro, failure was not an option. I, I can't go home. Right. 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 You feel me? Yeah. Like I can't go home. Yeah. Cause, you know, I'm old school. We was old school. You know, my parents, because what they learned from their parents, their trauma, you know, you go home once, you know, Christmas. Yeah. You did. Yeah. And and then where you, you know, where you going after this? You 18. You know? Yeah. You follow me? It wasn't like our house. This is my house, 18, deuces military or college. Right. You know? Right. So I had, I, uh, my Morehouse experience was not, not too many people knew me very quiet. Cause I had to keep my head down and fire him. Cause I had a scholarship. Right. You dig what I'm saying? I can't lose my scholarship. If I lose my scholarship. I, I got to go home. You can go home. Yeah. You might better go to auntie. You might, I can't go home. What am I do? Right. Right. So I was locked in, bro. Yeah, that is just a beautiful thing. Now, the medicine, man, the medicine that's on your shirt, the medicine of marijuana, the medicine of weed, man. What when did it first come into your life? And when you really start to delve in, like, I really want to use this plant and use this medicine and really yeah, help easy, easy. I did not fuck with this at all because I'm 47, 80s drug war. Crime, dog, crime, drug, crime, <coughs> crime, dog, McGruff. Yep. Cartoons. Yeah. <coughs> you could take a bite uh, out of crime. <laughs> yes. Uh, your, your brain on drugs. Yep. So that was my childhood, bro. And then uh, when uh, with Nixon and then with Reagan and then with Clinton, you know, they really um, they really started doing the military tactics, RICO Act, you know. Um, anything associated with marijuana, it could be gang related and everything that you might've bought off of weed, they'll take and seize at homes, cars, if you bought your mama some. So you see everyone getting banged up. I didn't touch it, bro. I didn't, I saw it, Jersey, went to Morehouse in Atlanta. I didn't touch it. Um, go to med school you don't learn anything positive about it you know all you you hear only time you hear about marijuana is with abuse and with addiction um or or maybe this a gateway drug so boom you don't hear anything positive about it i'm practicing medicine 20 something years and then i break my neck playing basketball i had a i had my head break my neck playing basketball run to this guy's chest I got to get these plates and screws in my neck and a bunch of opioids and a bunch of Ambien to help me sleep and and a bunch of Trazodone to help me deal with my emotions and depression. And then I've heard about this, healing people for chronic pain. Tried it 2014 and haven't looked back. Wow, wow. Now so once it changed my life, I was like, whoa. Man, there's millions of people suffering from chronic pain. And I was at the kind of, you know, 20 years of practicing medicine, you kind of realize I'm not, you're not really making a difference. You're just managing diseases. You're not curing them. You know, you manage them with one pill, but in a year or two, they're on four pills. You know, decade later, they have chronic renal failure. They're on dialysis. Like, how are you really helping them? You know, what, what, you know, what do we do all this for? You know? So I was getting burnt out at the end. I was getting kind of burnt out, break, break my neck. I find a therapeutic relief with cannabis. And then I decided to learn as much as I can about it every day. 
because this is something I'm going to use as medicine for me, for my chronic pain, for my sleep issues, to stabilize my mood, uh, to help me with my appetite, you know, and then I'm learning more what it can do, you know, antiviral, antiseptic, antiplasmodial, um, it's helping me prevent arthritis. It's, it, it could be preventing Alzheimer's for me. You know, Alzheimer's begins in your 30s and 40s. You know, so much that it's going to be doing and we're going to find out. But, you know, because it's a Schedule One drug, the research isn't there. But popular opinion is, you know. Yeah. So that's how I became in love with the plant um, and just decided to use everything I could as a physician that, understands uh eastern western medicine been doing it been prescribing and been participating i've been doing clinical trials so i understand the trillion dollar market of healthcare system i have the i have the the uh the the past experience of seeing hey physicians are pretty much sales agents for the latest drug we're not taking these drugs um we still are in the school that one size pill fits all and it doesn't make any sense man woman different sizes you know once you're at a pediatric range we're thinking one pill is going to treat a black or white age it's and that's absurd it's absurd um so yeah yeah that that yeah and shout out to gip big gip man he is the person that put me on to you and he has the Gip goodies. Everybody go get those. We're going to talk about what you got going on in a minute. But, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But Gip, Big Gip, man, is the one that put me on uh, the Gip goodies. Shout out to the whole mob. Yes, sir. Gip, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But- uh, Gip's been a soldier uh, since 2015. He's been a, he's been uh, advocating for uh, Georgians. <coughs> Yeah. And trying to get people, you know, to understand this medicine and, and uh, you know, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, just encouraging people to get in the industry. You know, it's a huge lane, $34 billion this year. Yeah, he told me about, he showed me your page and what you were doing, and it was amazing. Now, talk about, like, for some of your patients that you've helped, you know, and I've seen you put your arm around them and they really feel healed and they really feel healthy. <laughs> and that's what made me feel like, well, I knew with this podcast, we could talk about bang, bang, shoot them up, Atlanta strippers and all that. We're going to talk about, we're going to take the hard route and do something positive. So I was like, let me get with people in a cool way, in my way, and talk about that. Yeah. So let's talk about how, how were you helping and what kind of things were you helping your patients with? Cause the look on their faces, man, when they smile and like you can tell they've been through things and they feel like the light and the breakthrough is coming and you helped them and it's something special about treating them as a human being and not just a patient to doctor yeah. person. What what have you helped people with and what have you seen those aha moments with when you uh help them in any way, but specifically I guess in the mer- medical marijuana phase of it. Uh, the one word I would sum it up would be hope. You know, cannabis has restored hope for so many people. So when you see them smile and when they see them, I hug them or they hug me super tight is because I I kind of been there too, you know, almost lost a little hope. And, um, when you lose hope that can, uh, that can fragment your relationship with family which would 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 wherever you believe in your higher power you'll stop believing in him or her you know and um you're totally going isolation mode and that's just you know it's just a lot of negative things that can just snowball from that so and then you you know when you're on one pill and that didn't work and you're on two pills and then you have four four surgeries and they lead to eight surgeries and now you have scar tissue everywhere and and then the doc say hey man or your terminal or hey we're do, you know at least you're not you, you you didn't die you're still alive those people have lost hope uh they lost their voice um and that's what i try to restore you know um because i've been there you know i've been there 
you know, the the best qualities about me is not like how much I can memorize, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's the way I make people feel. And um, there's nothing fake. It's, it's truly authentic, you know, and I think uh, I truly try to pour into people when I see them is because uh, it's important that they know that, you know, at least that day they were seen or heard by one person. Because I meant I, I spent many days feeling invisible, and it ain't cool. Right. So I make sure uh, when I come across people, <clears throat> and I'm in the mood that I'm going to pour into you, right. and you definitely going to feel a whole fucking lot better. Right. You know. Right. So what? Yeah. What specifically? Um, like for like inflammation and what kind of things specifically can uh, marijuana? help you with in any way if you're dealing with certain a variety of different things with things off the top of your head great question do you know like it helps with for the people the older people that are like only been fed negativity about marijuana and stuff with some of the things that like hey this can help with this and this can help with that grandma great grandma mom dad what can this do for you all right uh cannabis is again not is not new medicine you know, this was the number one medicine physicians prescribed in this country from 1890 to 1940. It um, didn't because of really racial issues. You know, uh, we started to decriminalize it and then it became prohibit- prohibited, you know, uh, really racially motivated. Uh, this was a medication that we use all around the world, uh, every culture. So um, when we started to try to end prohibition, you know, we started to study it. Um, And the studies now show that cannabis is indeed a great treatment for chemotherapy-associated nausea and vomiting. Facts. Fact number two, cannabis is an appetite stimulant because there's an FDA-approved drug that synthetic THC called Marinol that doctors like me can prescribe for end stage AIDS because they, they, they go through anorexia and the end stage of AIDS. Another, another common disease called cancer, right? They go through anorexia, poor appetite. We can prescribe Marinol, which, which is a fake cannabis synthetic and that increases your appetite we also know that there's components of cannabis that can stop seizure slow down seizures and these are severe pediatric seizures uh, one is called Dravet syndrome the other one is called uh, Gillian Barr syndrome and these are severe ep- epileptic seizures that uh, shorten the lifespan of these babies um, those are facts. Popular opinion is it can help pain, PTSD. It can fight cancer. It's an antivirus. That's all popular opinion. You can use it for sleep. You know, you can use it for when you're depressed, for anxiety. Um, but that's not the truth for everybody. You know, um, that's just popular opinion. Cannabis is everywhere now, right? 36 states. Um, 14 states recreational, D.C., recreational. And by the end of this year, the map's going to change again. And prohibition might be over next year, right? So, unfortunately, because cannabis is a Schedule One drug, meaning the federal government said this has no medicinal benefit, Schedule One, just like heroin, just like cocaine, just like meth, just like psilocybin, Right? Schedule one drug. So when the feds made this a schedule one drug in the seventies, only one institute can do research on it, right? University of Mississippi. And their supply ain't doesn't match what's on the streets right now. So you got a few scientists that are waiting for one grower and these products that they're growing don't match what's on the streets, don't match what's in dispensaries. THC levels of eight percent, and they're and and these and we're just making these discoveries with 
bunk THC with bunk weed, bro. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So the federal government just allotted more growers, attracted more talent, and they're gonna try to match what's in dispensaries, you know? So we know once once those researchers <clears throat> and I hope the research as well, you know, once they get a hold of some quality cannabis with THC levels of 21, 22, which matching it. Now let's redo all them studies. Right. All, most of those results will be different. Right, right. Yeah, so big storm is coming, bro. I think so. I think so. Now, the, Yeah, this wave ain't going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Now, now the yeah. Big, big thing for you is like, uh, in, for, in our community, in the black community, is like our talk with kids about it that's under 18 or – under 21 whenever it gets legalized and now it's not legal how do you think like as a parent do you navigate that talk with your young black man your young black daughter you know about like hey i don't know you shouldn't get caught with it like how do you navigate that conversation of when you should it's use not it? worth it Stuff like tell that. them hey it's not worth it you don't have a if you had a medical card right you know fine that's by a doctor you know, we're in a state where it's, re- you know, that there's a medical program and you're allowed to have this for your sickle cell. Fine. Are you allowed to have this for your Crohn's disease? This happens in kids, you know, also colitis or for your seizures. Now, for the person that feels sad, normal teenager and going through teenage problems, no, you can't use cannabis. You know, it's a legal program. Now, if you want to go ahead and sneak it, and get it off the street, you let them know, hey, that stuff is made in garbage cans. You know, you know, cannabis out of dispensaries is regulated. What does that mean? Well, you just can't buy food, you know, without the FDA making sure there's no metals, plastics, razor blades in there, making sure people got clean hands, right? You're not going to eat that Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? Without gloves and the standards. So, we have similar standards for the cannabis industry as well, just not regulated by the federal government, but they're regulated by state agencies, right? What you're buying off the street is not regulated. It's going to have a lot of chemicals, a lot of adulterants. So you let them know one is not clean, poison, you know, tell them, tell them you're smoking on bleach, you know? Then you tell them, hey, look, I'm going to forgive you. But if you get caught with that vape pen, that's a felony in Georgia. Mm. Then you then you say, hey, well, what does that mean? Well, you tell them, hey, if you have a felony, if you have a drug uh, felony, you want to go to college, right? And they're going to be like, yeah, 70% of colleges do criminal background checks. You're not going to go. And then you're like, well, well, well I'm going to get a job then. Okay, they do criminal background checks too. And you're like, well, I'm like, well, okay. So you let them know the punitive charges, you know, let them know, hey, decrim doesn't mean legal. Decrim means you're not going to go to jail, you know, but decrim is just for the flour, dry content. But what if you had a gummy or edible, you know, a baked good, which is very popular, or you had a vape pen, which is very popular for kids. Those are felonies. That's not the decrim law. The decrim is for flour. All decrim is for flour. You did what I'm saying? Right. So you let them know how that will change their life drastically. You let them know, like, hey, once you got this drug conviction and you and you might be, you might have some kids, but now that you can't work, you can't even get food stamps. Right. Because you got a drug conviction. Because, you know, right. any drug conviction, you can't participate, no snap. So you're going to be hustling and letting them know you're too soft to be hustling. Yeah, yeah. We raised you better than that. You ain't ready for you this. The street's going to eat you alive, man. Bro, you look and say, son, you a civilian. Yes. You ain't nothing gangster about you. <laughs> we we just bought you a PlayStation 5. <laughs> you can't do that. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Stop. It ain't worth it. Yeah. And then you let them know, even though things are being decriminalized, this decriminalization hasn't been equitable. And say, what does equitable mean? Well, black people are still getting arrested at a higher rate. 
So you being black, you're a target. You know, you can't do what they're doing. That's what you got to tell them. The arrests are eight to one in every major city. Let them know white people consume more weed than black people. But once they decriminalize this, we went to jail eight times more than they do. And let them know they consume at a higher rate than black people. But black people went to jail 8%, eight times more than white people. Right, right. So yeah, you just don't have the luxury of doing that. Yeah. And then you let them know your brain is still forming. Yeah. Until 21. So yeah. kids, I can prescribe, I'll make recommendations for kids because the benefits outweigh the outcome. They're on opioids. Their their life expectancy is going to be shorter. Or these are severe seizures where they can stop breathing and die in at five months or eight months. You dig what I'm saying? Right. So the benefits outweigh the risk. Right. But if you don't have those problems, when you, you consume in cannabis before your brain is formed, that can cause problems, uh, problems like ADHD. Difficult, difficulty with tangential thinking. Right. You dig what I'm saying? A motivation. They can develop into cannabis use disorder, which is addiction. Um, you can become cannabis, cannabis schizophrenia. Uh, there's a cannabis hyperemesis syndrome that can happen from exposure at a young age. You dig what I'm saying? Cannabis sleep disorder. There's some problems that happen for cannabis. Wow. It's not all good things. Yeah, I wanted to go on that. Like, do you feel like there's a certain abuse of cannabis where it's like, I can't do anything without it? Do you feel like, because I feel like it's a lot of benefits, but a lot of people want to talk about, no, can you abuse it to the point where they're like, yes, yeah. hell yeah, it's addictive. Yeah. Hell yeah, it's addictive, you know, but we don't, you know, I think in 21, we stopped saying addiction, we call it disorder. You don't call it alcohol addiction because addiction is so negative and it's like condescending to call it like you're an addict. Yeah. So um, they they changed the political correct word is alcohol, uh, alcohol use disorder right. or cannabis use disorder right. or opioid use disorder to bring some dignity in it right. and kind of curtail this shit, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you can become addicted and not offending anybody, but just so people are familiar with that term, yeah. you can become addicted to cannabis. Yeah, yeah. You know, for sure, most patients are going to become addicted. Like patients on opioids, are they not going to become addicted? Right. Yes or no? Right. Yeah, of course. Because no, this is chronic pain, not acute pain. This is not sprained ankle. You got four. No, this is you got a degenerative disc disease, and you're going to get them every month. But how would you but, know, you think, from from weed, like, how would you know, like, hey, I'm taking this a little further than my typical joint once a day or something like that, where I'm doing it almost every hour, every 30 minutes? Like, how do you tell, like, I guess, from weed? Great question. It's the same. We are, It's a cage questionnaire similar to alcohol. It's similar to alcohol addiction. So the C is for um, uh, have you ever tried to cut down? Just like an alcoholic, and most alcohol, like fuck, man, I wanted to only drink five drinks. I'm trying to, you know. And if you consume weed, you're like, damn, I wish I could stop, you know, rolling these big blunts. And why did I have to hit that bowl? I just hit the bowl, you know, like. Uh, or you might get a little attitude when someone's like, damn, you hitting that again? Or you got smoke again? And you're like, yo, chill, like you know. So that's the sea of cage. Um, the A. The A is annoyed. Yeah. Uh, the the G is does it get does it get in the way of like are you late to work because of smoking? <laughs> are you late to obligations because of weed? You know. And the E is an eye opener. Do you like before you brush your teeth? You want to roll a joint? Right. Right. So all you all you need is two of those positive to say positive out of that cage and then the physician's supposed to refer you for counseling for drug treatment for abuse okay yeah yeah because i always <laughs> want to know so that's that. the that's the simple way to ask yourself and most people say yeah 
Look at me. I say, yeah. 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 But I'm a patient. It was inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the very beginning. We don't have enzyme blockers. That's the future. We don't have ways to shut off the dopamine that you get from it. That's the future. You know, we, we don't have products that we can keep rotating around. Faith, gummy. No one told us that in the beginning. Right. You know, rotating products, uh, cannabis holidays. That's the future. That's the knowledge gaps, you know? Right. Um, because as most, as more people, as more millions choose cannabis daily to be their regimen for efficacy or for prevention, there's going to be more abuse. People that come, there's going to be more addiction. Right, right. And for you, with yeah. your products that you have, can we please uh, see that product again that you have in Georgia? <laughs> Oh, uh, this is CBD. Yes, sir. Got gummies, got uh, salves, um, a focus product, nighttime product um, to help you sleep, helps you with sleep onset, sleep uh, duration. And those are CBD, you know, cannabidiol, which is uh, uh, comes from hemp. And hemp is legal in, every, in all 50 states since 2018, the Farm Bill. Right. It contains less than 0.3 THC. Now, will that show up in drug tests for the people that want to have it, but they're scared that the percentage no. is going to show up? No, it won't. But only 30% of the labels in the cannabis industry, and that's for hemp and for cannabis, are accurate. Okay. okay. So don't believe the hype when you see the labels. Okay. Make sure you got CBD from a, a place that has a certificate of analysis that they're definitely tested. Okay. Buying CBD off a gas station could have more than 0.3 or maybe some low some low grade to keep you from keep you coming back as a customer right you know right. until they get busted but they made all their money and that could you know test hot and what's the name of your product and where can it uh where can you purchase it whether it be online or here in atlanta uh it, information we in georgia we know we're off the belt line with it it's at a holistic hemp georgia dot com online but holistic hemp georgia that's holistic hemp ga on instagram boom hit the dot com on that for the online and you can get you can order got some delta eight too okay in the name of your product yeah. it's Rashawn hodge is my name all right all right man so people definitely got to try that they got to try that man so yeah it's stamped I, for sure i like what you said about um you know, uh, growing up and the pressures and everything, because I talk a lot about healing and I think that's coming up and becoming more normal now. How important to you do you feel it is to like heal? Because for me, I think of like if you bust your knee up really bad and the doctor, you I go to you and you telling me, hey, you need surgery. But I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to just rub a cream on. it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's not healing. It's just putting a Band-Aid on something. But when you go in and really fix something in your life emotionally, that's when you go in and do the surgery on yourself. And that's what's called healing. So can you go on healing? Even for you, you said like comparing yourself and you went dark at one point. How important is healing from things in your past to really make you a better person? And it's an ongoing journey. It doesn't really it stop. Is. But it is. Can we go on? It that? is. It is. That's a great topic, you know, and that's just uh you know, in my opinion, you know, healing is really being your authentic self. Um, and and then it's easy to forgive others, but the hardest part of healing is probably forgiving yourself, right. you know, for allowing yourself to be off-centered by a grade or because you didn't, you know, or by uh, how fast you can run or, or, or how many points you didn't score by this objective measures, you know? And because of these objective measures get put on at such an early age, um, before your ego is formed, you know, you got some people that are going to be over egotistic and you're going to have these people that are like, man, you know, that don't even know. Don't even know. Never really. They have an underdeveloped ego, right? You know, and those are the people usually that people weren't clapping for the underdogs, right? You know, right? 
And so I'm not the only one that got a chip on their shoulder, you know? Yeah. That's, 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 that's most black men, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So most black men have to heal. And once I started to heal, man, and healing is mind, body, and soul. It's comprehensive. And then um, once you are healed, you kind of understand your center. And you'll feel energy that will push you, that pull. And it's going to be instant tug of war. And once you're healed, you loathe tug of war, bro. You hate that shit. Yeah. That's for them. Yeah. You want to live in chaos, do it. I've done that. I, I feel that. I feel that. I feel like yeah, the, the pandemic has really made people sit with themselves and figure out you. Because it made you, you can't go running around. You can't do these things. We're getting back to normal now. But I think it really made you look and sit with you. And we all had to do the work and figure it out. So, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah. that's amazing. And you'll know what keeps you centered. And once you're healed, you're good. You won't, you won't allow. You understand that, hey, man, your peace is your responsibility. Right. You know, because you got centered. It took a long term time and a lot of work. A lot of work, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. It, it, and once you're there, unapologetically, it's going to come off like that. Ah man, what you've hit it right on the head. Because for me, I feel yeah. like I've tried therapy. You know, I think weed is amazing. You know, I can't wait till they legalize it. Might have to talk to you about the cannabis cards and everything. But when I start doing the work for myself, what you said exactly, you become center. And then when those things come in your life, like that tug of war, you don't want to do that no more. It's like, hey, bro, I'm I'm good. Like y'all can do that. I That's on you. Do that, <laughs> right. really. So what can you share? Because, I mean, I think therapy helped me, but I only did it for a little while. Did it with a black woman. Shout out to her. And But what things do you think helped, like, for you or what helped you in healing in your journey? Um, You can't have yes men around you. Oof, You'll never heal. Yes. Uh, I have a dear friend, you know, and she, she you know, you, got, you need someone that just can kind of, and that could be like a friend, maybe not family, and definitely not your boys, or maybe a stranger, maybe it's just you. But you've been kind of feeling that people really ain't truly authentic, you know, because uh, they know that you're kind of sleeping on yourself. You don't know your worth. So they're going to take advantage of it. Right. But then you might have someone come in like, like, hey, man, look what you're doing. Why are you doing this? Why do you think they're doing this? Because you're doing, because you're going, and then you start to, then, then that could be a catalyst. Right. You know, yeah. you still got to do the work. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that was, uh, I was lucky to be blessed with someone like that in my life. And that's what I tell Later people, in my life. I tell people that too. It's not necessarily going to a therapist and doing this. It's doing the work to figure out you, whatever it, whether it's taking a walk whether it's anything that can help you yeah. change you to get your mind right, meditation, you you know, painting is fun. I went to the Splatter Studio and uh, oh man, that's that therapy, art is medicine. Yeah, yeah, it was just really cool, and I, <laughs> I encourage people to do that, man, because it's amazing. Yeah, I um, you just said you know you're doing the painting and stuff, and then and then I I look at people. And they're like, God, thank you. I'm like, Psh. listen, I know you're feeling like I'm restoring hope, blah, 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 blah. But during your darkest times, doctors ain't be there for you. You know who's going to be there for you? Artists. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, all right, just think how your darkest, darkest times. You probably play the song, right? That kid, That's an artist. Or you... You read a book or you read a passage or you read a poem. Those are artists saving your ass. Not me. <laughs> that is a cool perspective. That is yeah. Cool. And we look at artists like, oh, you wanna, why are you going to art? You know, we're supposed to be doing, man, artists are the shit. Yeah, yeah. I read a book by yeah. a humble poet. 
called Unlearn. It's a great book, and it's just about what do you really like? You know, you get all these things talked about throughout your life, and people tell you things like it's like 101 different passages of unlearning everything and figuring out you. And art is just amazing. Music is amazing. And music and we go together. What is one of your favorite songs to listen to? Listen to while you smoke. Now, I feel like the Isley Brothers make it say it again, girl. It's just a smooth because the smoke just goes into your lungs and it goes out and it clears you out. And you hear Ronald Isley just start singing and you're like, oh, my gosh. What is a song that you today or any time in your life that you feel like is amazing to listen to while you get elevated? My my go-to is off that uh that monster album, bro. Harley. Harley, Harley, In the bushes, I'm trying to buy me a new 88 cut the Supreme. Everyday hustling, I gotta go get it. I gotta get Wu Tang, gotta get cream. Future. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 my that's that's your wake and bake. That's <clears throat> my go to. Number two, probably be Bam Jay Z. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. feeling good, you know. Just, Come on, man. Yeah, Bone Thugs and Harmony, I like them too, man. Buddha Lovers. Yeah, like those that. would be my two. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Friday, what? Friday, man. You got, that movie, Friday. Those have That movie has some amazing lines and metaphors, and it was just so accepting of weed yeah. early on. And do you have any favorite parts of Friday? That movie is... See, I was before my time, you know, but definitely... Uh, uh, you know, I was, I'm not before my time is movie before I was smoking. Oh yeah, you know, so I wasn't part of that culture. You know, I was I, I wasn't even interested. That's something I wasn't going to do. So that shit was funny as hell to me. Yeah, uh, probably when um, it's funny now. It's 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 more funny now, uh, when Cube uh first time getting high. Yeah, <laughs> and then it reminds you of your first time, like, yeah. and it ain't like you know most people think the first time you smoke something you're gonna feel it because it took me like months. Yeah. to start smoking right yeah because i'm like man what is this i'm i don't feel this like how like what are you supposed to feel you know yeah. and you're like dude just hit it hit it like this i'm like i am like what are you supposed to feel yeah <laughs> so then um it just like boom <clears throat> yeah and that probably was probably the funniest shit when craig when craig uh was high as hell and you I, know? I think man the best weed ever is when you thinking like this thing is not hitting on nothing and it just grabs you and they say come yeah. here come here let me talk to you for a second and you like whoa <laughs> you have been transformed into a whole nother plateau of light you like wow i am really really messed up those are my favorite chemotypes chemotypes high immersing uh you know the the uh the cannabis that smells like dirt earthy right that aromatic compound is uh mercine that's the terpene and that um it's very sedating gives you that body high it's the creeper you, right. you know after a gram it kind of like whoa yeah. not that head high you know like the lemonese the sativas yeah so yeah those are my those are my favorite chemo bars because i find that works best with my pain those creepers you know yeah for me man yeah in california i went to high school there so my first time really getting into it is California grade weed. And it was like, wow, this stuff is strong, strong. California's always been talked about for ages. Yeah, ocean grown. OG, people think OG is an original gangster. That OG stands for ocean grown. Come on, stop. Man, California is just like, man, and Snoop Dogg, everybody, the chronic, the album, that flower, like, when you see the flower, you most people think, oh, weed, but a lot of us will think the Chronic album because that is iconic, that flower on that it. That was culture. That started help help culture. It did. Yeah, yeah. It was just something. It pushed, it pushed the sales, pushed the numbers up, you know? It was amazing. It was amazing. So now we about to get out of here shortly. But yes, in your, uh, Enjoyed it. In your uh, practice, 
where can you be found and what kind of like a uh, doctor are you and what things do you do where are you located where can people find you at? i'm in atlanta <clears throat> i'm in atlanta uh instagram is the best way uh to, to catch up with me uh rashawn md on the insta uh, I'm a family medicine physician trained. I used to do the cannabis recommendations for the state. I still got a small practice and I hope to formulate soon, you know, get into to research, uh, help make this industry a little better, you know, um, uh, take everything that I learned. I'm getting my master's in cannabis as well. I graduated in May at the University of Maryland. So I'm using my experience of 20 years of practice and kind of bottle that up pros the cons um i'm in this fascinating sector of cannabis which i consume patient you know advocate and it's about to take off you dig what i'm saying nice, nice so there's some stuff i don't like about cannabis too you know so i have this huge opportunity to to, to change it and to inspire others you know that look like me to change it Right, right. Now, and be and be part of the infrastructure, you know. Nice. And it's a dope. We all can be part of this infrastructure in the first five years. Nice. If somebody wants yeah. to become a patient of yours, how do they go about that? Oh, uh, my patient load is I'm maxed out in my clinic. Oh, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm maxed out. You know, if I can refer you to a cool little doc, you know, that I trust. Okay, and, and, and <laughs> cannabis yeah. cards and stuff like that. I seen on your Instagram, you showed that you had both a firearm license, which is important, but also a cannabis license. How do you go about getting that for people that's tired of getting in trouble or busted or really need this flower as medicine? How can they go about it a smarter way and get that cannabis card? Uh, in Georgia, we've been cannab- we've been ha- we've been a medical cannabis state in Georgia since 2016. Uh we now have 17 applicable diseases, uh, ranging from post-traumatic stress disorder, autism, chronic pain, epilepsy, ALS, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, sickle cell anemia, um, HIV, cancer, and even hospice, you know, less than six months to live, uh, and there's a few others. Uh, there's a skin disease called epiderm- epidermosis bullosa. Uh, and there's another disease called mitochondrial disease. And I, and I think I didn't mention Parkinson's disease. So you have one of those 17 conditions. You see a doctor that is, participates in this medical cannabis program. Uh, that doctor will qualify you for a medicinal cannabis card here in Georgia, which will allow you to uh, have up to 20 fluid ounces of low THC cannabis oil. Um, that oil is what you are legally allowed to take. So that's how you do it. The card's good for two years. Uh, Georgia has a reciprocity card. So, you know, you can participate in other states. If you travel to medical states, you know, your card's reciprocity. You're allowed to participate in their state if they have a reciprocity program. Uh, Georgia is also a reciprocity state. So as our cannabis industry starts to become robust, uh, visitors can participate in our law with their card. You know, um, that card will also allow you for home delivery. So you don't have to um, do anything illegal. You know, if you have a physical condition or, or unable to get into a car or it's burdensome or don't have the transportation, you know, Georgia's cannabis card will set you up for home delivery by a dispensary once you're linked up to with a dispensary as well. So nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. And you won't be able to get into a dispensary without a medicinal cannabis card. Okay. Because so- this is not a recreational state. Recreational means over 21. Here in Georgia it's medical only. You gotta have a card. So it's only oil. You can't have actual plant with the card. No, we're we started conservative. You know, this will quickly change like other states. The card is just oil only, which you know is stronger sometimes than flour. You know, uh, it's sublingual delivery under your tongue or buckle. Use your gums. You take the oil and you rub it in your gums, okay. and 
you have these big veins in your mouth, on your tongue. They're going to get absorbed and you're going to feel the effects within, you know, 30, 15 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes. Um, we have 18 or 17 jurisdictions that have decriminalized cannabis, the flower, but that's not the medical program. But what have most states do once the, we start growing cannabis for the medical program, we quickly, most states quickly pivot to more options, more delivery methods. So the oil was just to kind of get into law, but oil only is really discrimination. Um, there's a lot of conditions that can benefit from inhalation or from gummies or from a topical patch or from a suppository. So those delivery methods will change, you know, but politically, you know, being the conservative South, we kind of had to under the radar. Now, for somebody who like smokes weed heavy for real, but they want to try like a hemp or a CBD or like your product, how, what effects are they going to feel from like your products, like the true weed smokers or something like that? Are they going to feel about the same? They're not going to feel the psychoactivity because they're not, they're not getting the THC levels. Okay. So they're going to feel like it's an air pack. Okay. You know, smells good, looks good, but I ain't feeling it, you know? (laughs) So a true, a true, um, uh, recreational user um, wouldn't probably use CBD. They'll stay because they're using it for the psychoactivity. They just want to get high. Okay, but you know they're you, not thinking of it medicinal. But do you feel like a floaty for somebody who doesn't? Will they feel like happy and calm and stuff from your product? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, CBD is a great anxiolytic. Uh, CBD is great for sleep, you know, um, CBD is great for focus, you know, uh, it tastes pretty good. It's got terps just like the terps in cannabis. Um, but a lot of people just want to get gone. They just want to be gone, bro. Nice, nice, nice. Some people just want to, a lot of people just want to be blown, Man. you know, and yeah. that's their prerogative, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I thank you for your time. Thank you for your All service. Right, boss. All that you do. It's amazing. Your family is amazing. Yeah. I seen your pictures with your dad and your mom's hilarious. Taking a dab. It's like, oh man, it was just really. Yeah. And it's just we honor you and thank you, black man, for what you're doing. And All right, uh, peace, King. Man, you already know, bro. Yeah, we definitely do. But last thing I do out of here is speaking to existence. A year from now, what will you be doing in your life and in your growth and in your work? We speak it into existence. This is the last question. Bro, change in this industry. I'll be a monster next year in this industry. I'll be a monster household name. Right. And this is recorded.